That's a brilliant ball. There's no flag here on Jesse Fleming, who's tucked it away. Here's Reese James. What's up, Blues fans? Brendan London here, and I want to welcome you all to another episode of Chelsea Miked Up, the official Chelsea FC podcast. We wear the shield. Again, I'm Brendan London coming to you from New York City, and I got my friends along with me again. I'm Emily here in Chicago. And I'm Andre here in the DMV. And I'm Lee here at home in London. So as we kick this thing off, it was a disappointing and frustrating draw for our men against Burnley, but... It's a good frustration because the expectations are high this season, y'all. We still got one point out of it. So bringing back our whole Pat Nevin theme mixed with French Montana song, don't panic. We're still at the top of the table, and this international break comes at the perfect time for us to restart. We're also going to be talking about how the Chelsea women took down Aston Villa 1-0, but they also had their work cut out for them as well. And on today's episode, we'll chat through our performance against Burnley with the international break will bring us. And we've got some huge news coming out of the U.S. revolving the Women's Super League. And we're bringing back Andre's opinion. Ayo for that. Plus, Emily takes us into her NHL world by sitting down with Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender and Chelsea supporter Peter Morazic. Let's go Blues. bringing back lol but it's the remix it's not london on london it's lee on london so lee i'm gonna hand it over to you kick this thing off my man oh i'm not sure i can deal with the pressure what an intro thanks brandon um wow what a weekend i think you you touched on it there it was uh, on face value a disappointing and frustrating draw with burnley but we'll get into the the performance because there weren't too many disappointing elements to the performance aside from maybe a couple more goals. But before we do, let's hear what uh, boss Thomas Tuchel had to say to us shortly after the full-time whistle. Yeah, it's a frustrating result, but it's uh, the opposite of a, of a performance. It's a very strong performance from the first to the very last minute. Two minutes, we lost uh, control of the match and uh, they were lucky to get this goal. This can happen in football. It was on us to take one of our chances. We created so many chances. I like uh, I liked how we played today. I like the intensity, the quality, uh, the commitment from the whole group. We had uh, big chances to, to to win this game by two, three goals. It can happen in football. We don't want it to happen, but uh, it can happen when it happens. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very disappointing, of course, because we are all very competitive. But uh, yeah, there's no other way than accepting it and, and, and pick the positive. There's a lot of positive to take. Pretty happy with the performance and rightly so. I mean, I was going through my notes and I'm not going to bore you with all of them because it will take a while. But I was going through like the first half and it was something like this. Four minutes, Hudson-Odoi double chance. Six minutes, James shot deflected over. Seven minutes, Christensen header wide. Nine, Chilwell chance. And, and it goes on and go, you, get, you get the drift. But the amount of possession they had again similar to malmo 70 percent roughly possession the amount of chances they created the attacking flowing football was second to none and it was just missing a couple of goals and then you put it into context you think well, you're missing romelu lukaku you're missing timo Werner. great to have christian pulisic coming off the bench which we'll get to shortly no mateo kovacic working between the lines and then you look at some of the other results across the premier league again this weekend and you think 
not a bad point. And in previous seasons, I'm not going to draw too many comparisons, but let's just say in previous seasons, we may have drawn with Burnley and we may have then gone on to win the Premier League title. So it might <laughs> be an omen. I'm not getting carried away, am I, Andre? No, I don't think you're getting carried away at all. And actually, you know what I really loved? I really loved Thomas Tuchel. He didn't seem like he was getting too upset either. I think one thing that you often get with managers who really like crave a lot of control is these kind of matches can really frustrate them. Like they can be really angry about that. You know, they can be upset about the little momentary lapse where you just kind of had one thing happen and it happened to lead to an equalizer and you end up dropping two points. But Tuchel was focusing on a lot of the positives. I mean, you had a lot of control of the match. Plenty of opportunities to score. I think the way we played, I think he's absolutely right. It was a pleasure to watch. It was lovely seeing the players link up. And again, you know, these are players who we weren't normally expecting to see, you know, in the starting 11, like Ross Barkley, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi. You know, we've had incredible, you know, run of being able to get players in and play this style uh, of football. And it looked very good. So I love that Thomas Tuchel was keeping the eye on not the like one minute that, that things look bad, but the entire scope of the match and saying, look, if we do this against teams going forward, we're going to be fine. Like this is a, this is one of those results that happens in a game like football, but you play like that the majority of the time you're going to get the three points. Part of me wants to be like, oh, Thomas Tuchel knows what's up. He knows about my puck luck. And like, when you have 25 shots, typically you're going to get a couple of those goals in. Our issue was that not a lot of those shots were on target. We had 54 touches in the box. I believe our previous high was 40 on the season. That's incredible. I think that just shows the dominance and the amount of corners that we had. But my frustration lies in just, this is the same topic we seem to talk about. And it's not like Lukaku is going to come back and magically fix it because we did start to have some of these issues when he was in the lineup of just getting delivery to him. Um, another guy that we were missing is Mason Mount. I think it's pretty remarkable to hear this stat that we've only lost seven matches in 90 minutes this year. And he's been missing for six out of seven of them. I think that shows that he is a key here. I wonder when it comes to corners, is there something better we can do there? Because we couldn't generate goals off of those and it felt like we had plenty of opportunity to do so like is that something that they practice oftenly yeah absolutely i mean they have um anthony barry one of the coaches is very hot on on set pieces he's he's, he's fascinating to watch he's a brilliant coach and then every time they have a, a free kick a corner he's the first one out off the bench in the technical area directing who goes where who goes, it's something they work on religiously defensively and offensively talking of defenders again i mean brandon i know you've said previously haven't you that titles are built on on defence and you look at the, the lack of goals that Chelsea have conceded, but also the attacking threat that comes from, I mean, I was going through my first sort of 15 minutes worth of notes. These defenders are causing so many opportunities, so many problems for opposition teams in the final third. I've seen somebody tweet this where they basically said Reese James could control a tank with his chest. Like his <laughs> chest control is incredible. He just brings the ball down. It doesn't matter how hard you hit it at him. He just brings the ball down and settles it. And the dude's a tank. Like he's really difficult to get around. So that defending, that helps his defending portion of, of mm. playing um, like a wide back like that. It's just, he is, he, he's everything, man. He's, he's got it and it's going to be fun. Control a tank with his chest. I'm having that. <laughs> well, just being able to continue to switch out that back three, you know, and I understand before the match, I, a lot of people were kind of, kind of questioning that 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 back three for a little bit, being because I mean, when you think about it, the only mainstay in that back three has kind of been Tony Rudiger, and he's only set out the Brentford game, but 
when you think about what he brings to the table, a guy like uh, Tony Rudiger, Tiago Silva, these guys, they're, they, they can play. The, Tony Rudiger, his scoring, our defense continues to score. I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about why not play your best 11? Why do we keep making changes? But when you think of like the game plan, your your best 11 is going to change week by week, especially against your opponent's personnel and how their gameplay was going to be. And you just saw kind of what Burnley wanted to do in the sense of kind of force Chelsea. What I think Chelsea's defense got caught napping on that goal. It was a perfectly executed goal, though. I'll put it there. Perfectly executed. Burnley are very good and very physical. And poor Kai Havertz, by the way, getting sent flying over the advertising hoardings in the first half, coming up with his leg covered in blood. And then he had that wrapped up and then realized it was going to restrict his movements and quickly rip that off and then scored the goal. And oh, it was, yeah, it felt like a bit of an old fashioned, it felt like an old fashioned cup tie, really. Thomas Tuchel speaking to us sort of before the game says, you know what you're going to get. And he's been very obviously diplomatic, but it's true that Sean Dyche knows how to set up a team. Two banks of four, two up top, strong, physical, relatively direct. That's what you're going to get. And with that comes challenges. But we go into the international break, point clear, top of the table. So no, more than the point clear. Three we points. go into the, we go, yeah, exactly. I'm underselling it. I'm underselling it. I'm underselling it. I'm going worst case scenario. Um, so they go into the, the international break, top of the table. Another shout out I have to give to, I got to give one to Ross Barkley, man. Like, that dude, yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, he just, again, another someone who waits for their opportunity and not only just you can't even say wait like he just sits there like Thomas Tuchel was talking about. Uh, he's quoted saying, if you watched him in training, you would see that he deserved to start for a, a boss like Thomas Tuchel to give you the start in the already packed lineup or a deep depth lineup that they have. And I know a lot of people gave him flack because of that miss, you know, but, but at the same time, when you have 25 shots, only four on goals, everybody and their mama was missing shots. You know what I'm saying? Let's not forget, we thought, and Ross thought, I believe, that his career at Chelsea could be over, that there was not a spot for him and maybe he was going to go somewhere else. And another guy who kind of emerged on the scene because of a strong preseason was Trevor Chalaba because. No one expected him to be such a big part. And Lee, you talked with him this week about his new extension. Yeah, it's great. It was it was awesome. I mean, it was unbeknownst to me. I I spoke to Thomas Tuchel the week prior to the contract announcement, and I said, you know, I asked him about Trevor's development, and he spoke really well about his maturity and his attitude. And we spoke about how much he had benefited from going out on loan. So Trevor had played over a hundred senior games whilst out on loan before then breaking through into the team, and then. Within a few days, we got wind of the fact that, hey, he's signing a five-year contract. Fantastic. And he just, he's so impressive. And he, he's, he's obviously had a fantastic season so far. He's playing a huge part in this, in this side. And he's forcing his way into the reckoning. Yeah, I'm really excited and grateful to obviously then to sign for this club, my boyhood club, being since nine years old. And to have the opportunity to sign a new deal, yes, it's an exciting moment for me. Saw a picture on Twitter after that announcement was made about his contract extension. And you can see the team just swarming him and so happy and smiling. And it just, I, they really, it's so cliche, but they really are brothers in this team. One thing I really loved about this is that, you know, like you mentioned, the whole team is like celebrates when a thing like thing like this happens. Cause they know they obviously they know behind the scenes, they know how much work he's put in. They know that even before this season, he wasn't really sure, you know, where he was going to be, if he was going to end up going out on loan, if he was going to get a chance at Chelsea. And he did. And Thomas Tuchel liked him. He got in, he got his debut goal. Like he's, 
had a, an incredible run of milestones. But you know how how players are. You know this is a family. So as soon as it was announced on Twitter, Lukaku dropped dinner yep. on Trevor. <laughs> I'll put it in the group. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> From an emotional perspective, they are so invested in each other and, and each other's success. And it's it's so good to see him develop and play now for his boyhood club. He's been here since he was eight, nine years old, which is incredible. They are they are so young, obviously, and they make me feel very old every time I speak to them. But for them to follow that dream and to 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 come through the academy and you know the adversity that they face and it was lovely that his dad was there as well for him to sign his contract his family is so important they they sadly lost their mum a number of years ago but to have dad there with them to share that moment you could just tell how special it was and he's got such a bright future this football club also anytime a deal happens i'm always reminded marina granovskaya is the highest ranking woman in football and she works for Chelsea and she's the one that does all of these contracts wow. and all of the deals for players. She's the best. Super cool and inspiring to see mm. a woman in that position. Mm. Power. Speaking of successful women. Oh, transitions on transitions. He's smooth because he's wearing a turtleneck right now. That's why well, we're going he's got down that there, George Michael okay. smoothness. Oh no. <laughs> so the Aston Villa match, another one that you could say is a bit frustrating because I think we all could admit we'd like the score to be a bit bigger. And at the end of the day, when you look at the table, goal differential is going to matter. That said, we pulled out the W. Jesse Fleming, Andre's been hyping her up on this podcast. It's very clear that's someone that Emma Hayes is starting to trust and knows that she can go to in these situations. I think my only question about the team, and Andre, I'd love your opinion on this, is, you know, like the men's team, they're benefited with so much depth. But it feels like they're just cycling through a lot of different looks, a lot of different lineups. This is a game where we had Kerr and Kirby sitting on the bench to start. And it kind of feels difficult to sustain, you know, momentum or, or find a groove or a style when you just don't have the same lineup for match to match. And, you know, I was curious by this decision, not that I ever doubt anything that Emma Hayes does, but it's not like we have a string of matches coming up and she knows her players better than anyone. Honestly, she's like the Bill Belichick. She's not going to give you anything on anybody's situation or anyone's uh, injury status she just knows and you got to trust her but I almost want a little bit more continuity at this stage of the season yeah actually that's a that's a very good point because I'll be honest I was I was surprised to see the lineup it was basically a, a changed seven albeit you know the back line was pretty much set obviously Berger was in goal Aaron Cuthbert was in the 11 but she went from right wing back to kind of playing in a, in a more kind of her more natural I guess as a forward position so like there were some there were definitely some changes and the rest of the players came in you know effectively off the bench this has been a dangerous thing for Emma Hayes in the past where she makes big changes to the lineup and then the team has to kind of get bailed out by her making substitutions in the second half. And it's difficult. Talk about last season. That's when they lost their only league match of the season to Brighton. She, that was a, one of those, another one of these situations where um, Emma Hayes made big changes to the lineup. So it was interesting. It did work out this time, but I did not expect it at all. I like that other players got the opportunities, though. You know, we've seen Neve Charles before. You know, we've seen her playing a you know, fullback and then um, wingback, and she hadn't been in the matches. She hasn't even been getting on as a sub, so it's great to see, you know, her. It was great to see Yana Anderson. We haven't seen her at all. Her position has kind of gotten taken from, you know, obviously from left-back position, but also the wingback position with Will Wrighton. Uh, being preferred. So it was great to, for these players to get 90 minutes. And I really think that's Emma Hayes just kind of taking a long view of the season. You know, it's early. We're in multiple competitions. You need to make sure everybody feels a part of the team. And this was an opportunity to do it. 
obviously a little nervier than you would want. You know, we did get a goal in the first half, but it was a difficult match. We never got the second. And then towards like the closing minutes, particularly in stoppage time, Aston Villa had a lot of corners and, and you know, anything can happen from those. So it was nervy. It could have backfired a bit. Well, we got three points, got players involved in the team who haven't been in a while. I think it's a pretty good day. I think so. And it's squad management again, isn't it, Andre? Because we've spoken about it with both the men's and the women's squads in, in recent weeks. And when you take into account the, the travel and the, the magnitude of some of these games, and we know how important the Champions League is for this group, you know, the, the travel to, to Switzerland for the Savet game, the, the, the prospect of Man City again this weekend, and then Champions League again the following week. So it's similar to the men's. There is a pattern, isn't there, where you, you're getting games every three to four days. And we saw, didn't we, at the start of the season, that Arsenal game, when Emma Hayes said after the match, she's like, OK, I'm not just planning for this game. I'm planning for the season ahead. It's a long grind. It's a long season. They're fighting on so many different fronts. So to try and, I guess, maximise the ability within the squad whilst also protecting certain assets, certain players, knowing that there is so much football to play as this season evolves. What I'm learning is it's like you can't just watch highlights. You can't just look at the score sheet. You really have to watch the full game and really keep your eye on certain players because they could be giving the, other, uh, the opponent a fit and it just doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Again, Aaron Cuthbert, if you see how active she was, and, and, and Andre, you mentioned her moving up to forward, when she pressed and squeezed that Aston Villa defender on that steal, and it was that crazy cross to Bethany England, but that shot was safe. Again, that changes the game as well. So it, it's like you see these 1-0 scores, and you're like, oh, you know, that was, that was kind of frustrating. That was kind of disappointed. But when you look at certain players' individual play, in a 1-0 or maybe a 0-0 draw, you could still see the good from player to player or evaluate each player each game. And I thought G like showed up for sure. G is so fun to watch, especially in a match like this when you when you basically like Aston Villa came up in like a, a 5-2-3 kind of formation where they were just their whole thing was we're not going to let anybody get behind the back line or get a clean shot off. And so when that happens, and, and normally, you know, we are used to watching Chelsea with a back three as well. People can try to call it a back five, but you notice when we have possession, our wing backs are pushed high up. That's not how Aston Villa was playing it. To be able to spot the opportunity and deliver the ball to get behind the back five, basically get Jess Fleming right at the penalty spot, like that formation and playing that type is specifically designed to not allow that to happen. <laughs> but G was so technical and so good that they spotted the opportunity and Fleming spotted it as well. And they were on the same page and all it took was one kick of the ball over the top and then Fleming, she's just so comfortable. It was a tough fought match. I think we're, we're happy to get those three points and, and come away with the win, um, but definitely some lessons to learn and um, yeah, kind of look at how we might've been able to put a few more past them. But yeah, I mean, the, the pass was perfect. Um, yeah, I think she did a lot of the work for me on that goal. I just, just slotted it home. Honestly, the reason I became a Chelsea fan and the reason that soccer is growing so big in America is because of the accessibility, right? Because it's on NBC, it's on Peacock. And now we're about to get the same for the Women's Super League because CBS Sports and Paramount acquired the rights beginning in summer 2022. And it's just such a huge opportunity to grow the women's game here in the U.S. I'll speak for myself. I try to watch some of these games. I honestly... 
find myself on some weird janky website sometimes. There's <laughs> there's some ways that you got to find it. And so just to have it available for people to stumble upon and have that regularity and continuity, it's just going to be so huge. Long time coming. I was actually hoping it was going to happen ahead of the season because of that Sky Sports deal that the WSL signed ahead yeah. of the season, you know, yeah. over, in, over in England. So I was really hoping that something like that was going to happen, but it's all right. It's all right. We got it. Uh, CBS is going to be a great partner. They've got a lot of other soccer properties that are investing in telling stories as well. So I expect and hope to see the same thing. You know, the great thing nowadays specifically is that if you already have CBS for a lot of the other soccer properties, good. You don't have to pay yeah. for something else. Yeah. That's the other thing <laughs> that always gets me is like sometimes I'm like, oh, no, who got the rights? What else do I have to subscribe to? But thankfully, I already got it. Let's go. We got the international break coming up, so it's time to look ahead. Lee, what's going down? Obviously, we now want everyone to be wrapped in, in cotton wool for the next couple of weeks so they come back fully fit because this will be the last international break of the calendar year. So much football to look forward to. With that in mind, it's interesting that, that Thomas Tuchel has given the, the players that haven't gone away on international duties, he's given them a full week off. So he said, right, go home, rest up. He's given them bespoke training plans to do at home. So again, very similar to, I guess, what they were doing at the start of lockdown before they were able to come back to Cobham. So they will keep ticking over. Just a chance to get a break and to recharge the batteries for, for the players, for the management, for the support staff. There'll be some people there, obviously, throughout the course of the next sort of week or so. Those injured players will be there. So Romelu will be you know, working desperately to get as fully fit as he possibly can before the resumption following the international break. Same goes for Timo Werner. Same goes for Mateo Kovacic. A couple of other little medical issues with regards to Mason Mount having a wisdom tooth that he needs to have removed. So they, there, are, there are plenty of things going on at the same time. But it's, 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 a, it's a special touch from the boss to actually go, you know what? You guys have worked, you know, out on the pitch behind the scenes, worked tirelessly since the start of the season. And my goodness, it's going to get busy when you come back. You look at some of these, these fixtures, the first couple of weeks back, it's like Leicester. And then you've got Juventus in the Champions League, then Manchester United, and then it's, and Watford, and then it goes on. And, and it, it's, again, it's a game every three to four days. It's going to be what we call, I guess, the business end of the season. It's going to be th through until Christmas, which is always a very busy period. It's going to be fascinating to see how this Premier League table evolves, maybe changes a bit. But from a Chelsea perspective, it's. I was reading Pat Nevin's column earlier on today. And he was talking about the upcoming games and he said, nervous, not a chance. You know what we're nervous about, though? Christian Pulisic playing for the U.S. men's national team. That's what we're nervous about. I'm not going to lie. I have an unpopular opinion about that. I am a, a little frustrated that he chose to go. I knew that he was always going to, but I just think like, dude, you're like, like it sounds like it's a, it's a thing about pain management. And it's just like when, when that's the case, just like recover, like get, get yourself fully healthy traveling across you know doing that much travel he can't control himself when he's on the pitch he's gonna go a thousand miles an hour because that's what he does so like i'm i'm really nervous because the last thing he really needs especially at this stage is to be out another few months because but i mean the premier league is gonna get going you know we've got if he's out again for another few months it's going to be over into 2022 and it's going to be difficult, you know, to, to get back and, and have the time to get him back into into shape and then back into the squad because we're going to be looking at every game is going to be so crucial. I'm disappointed a little bit. I thought I was hoping that he would be like, you know what, I need to save myself a bit. You know, there are going to be other opportunities to get in, you know, play for the U.S. men's nationally. It's not like they're going to stop calling him up, but I also know 
he's he's got that nickname, right? He's Captain America. If they call him, he's gonna come running. So Emily, he just destroyed my two cents. Please jump in and save us. He's Captain America. <laughs> there we go. Mic drop. Captain America. He's gotta go. He's gotta go when the Avengers call him. I got no argument for that. I mean, if Samuel L. Jackson calls you, you got to go. This is hilarious. All right, all right, all right. right. Women are back again against Man City in Manchester. I feel like we talk about the women playing Man City every week, I feel like. Then they got Servette again in the UCL. Thoughts? Man City, it's always a big one. It's a game, Andre, I know we've spoken about it before, haven't we? It's such a competitive game. City have obviously had to deal with so many injuries. So many injuries. But again, they have a very deep squad. We saw that in the game a couple of weeks back. It's always a nervy game, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those where you you kind of get through the Champions League game and then you kind of assess where you are. Emma Hayes will want to put her strongest side out against City this weekend, won't she? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is this is one of those things where, you know, you don't like to really look at the rest of the competition in the league and actually, you know, and, and dismiss it because obviously that's not the case. Like I mentioned, you know, earlier in, in this podcast, you know, Chelsea lost last season to Brighton so that things like that can happen. But Manchester City are more of a, on a talent level, they're more of a direct rival. It's, it's Manchester City and Arsenal who have the talent level equal to Chelsea's. And that's kind of the concern with this match is that, again, we have to go play Manchester City, as Brandon said, but also, again, we have to go up to Manchester in the Academy Stadium where we just got our first win in regular time against them. So, like, it is going to be a, an intense match. They don't have to – I say this with a bit of a smirk. They don't have to worry about the Champions League because they didn't qualify for sure. it. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, that was a large of a smirk. Exactly. So, <laughs> so they're, they're going to be just completely focused on this. Their season has not gone well at all. You can just look at the table and tell they've had a lot of issues beyond injury too. Some of this has just been they've looked bad. They've looked disjointed. But if there's anything that can turn their season around, it's getting a win over Chelsea. So Emma Hayes and, and this crew has to be ready for that. So Lee, you said that we're going to put our best side out there. So maybe I shouldn't have complained that uh, Kirby and Kerr were on the bench because they'll be nice and rested for this one. Oh, let's hope so. It's one of it's a big game for big players, isn't it? And it's a sort of game that we've seen in recent years that they just absolutely thrive on. And then you look at people coming back into it like Panilla Harder and you think, my goodness, if you were Man City, you would not want to be lining up against this side. Um, so much talent. You hope, like you said, Nate, you want them to come into it fresh ready to go and it could be like we said it could be a pivotal weekend it really could if you it, depending on what happens in that north london derby if, if tottenham are able to take anything off of arsenal on saturday wow that opens things up so much doesn't it moving forward and then you, you know if you're if you're Mahesh, you're chelsea you want to be capitalizing on that and build on that momentum we take care of business fans remember you can participate in the play predictor game on the chelsea fifth stand app you can compete for prizes and we want you all to keep an eye on at Chelsea FC and UFC each month to see if you've made the leaderboard in the USA. We got our own standings. Well, as you guys know, I covered the NHL. And when I started doing this podcast, I started asking guys around the league, who's the biggest Chelsea supporter of a player? And uh, one name kept coming up again and again. And it is one Peter Morazic. He is a goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he is from the Czech Republic, and his name is Peter. And so you might get a sense of how he became a Chelsea supporter, but you'll have to listen now. And now joining us, I'm super excited about the guest because it is in the space that I cover every day. He is the starting goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Peter Morazic. 
Now, Peter, I have you on because I was asking around of who is the biggest Chelsea supporter in the NHL and your name came up once or twice. So I guess we just have to start with your background. Like, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how soccer or football became part of your life. First of all, thank you for having me here. Uh, really excited. Well, I grew up in Ostrava, a small, small town from um, like a small village near Ostrava. So, um, you know, my dad was a professional soccer player as well. You know, I played hockey and soccer. So uh, those were those two sports that uh, I enjoyed the most. And uh, I decided to play hockey more than, than soccer because my dad was uh, had a lot of, lot of injuries. And, and I think uh, it's not like he pushed me to play hockey, but I think he, he was more about uh, for me to, to join the hockey team. There's an obvious connection because I see that you're friends with Peter Cech. So was that your first introduction to Chelsea or how did you choose Chelsea as your club? I always loved Chelsea when uh, Jose Mourinho uh, signed as a, as a manager and then uh, you know, Didier drove by and Peter Cech came, came to Chelsea. So that uh, got my attention and uh, playing soccer when I was a child, uh, having Frank Lampard jersey and Peter Cech jersey and, uh, you know, running around with, with those two uh, jerseys around. So uh, that's why I've become, uh, you know, big Chelsea fan since then. And uh, once, uh, you know, I got older, I had a chance to, uh, to become friends with Peter, meet him in London and uh, going to games. And, you know, so since uh, I would say like eight years ago, we stay in touch. How would you compare being a soccer goalie to a hot goalie? Who has it easier? To be honest, I always thought that like soccer soccer goalies it's it's easy to play if you're on a good team and uh you know you don't face uh, many many shots and you don't see much action but uh i think it's going to be similar to hockey as well because you know you have to be uh really focused you have to be uh in that the right moment uh you know you have to you have to know how, how to stop it i think it's a similar position with uh mentally and uh, physically and then so you become friends with Peter Cech and he then now is a hockey goalie or he has tried being a hockey goalie. That's correct, yeah. What advice or did he reach out or what did you tell him about doing that? <laughs> well, we are, uh, we are in contact uh, a lot uh, these days. Uh, he plays in London. Uh, you know, he's a hockey goalie now. So uh, he's sending me uh, his videos uh, from practices and, and off the ice too. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if I would be able to do that these days, <laughs> what he's doing in the gym and in uh in his garage, sending me, you know, like asking me for some advice. So it's impressive uh, what he's doing. You know, when I feel like he's the person when he wants to do something, he's doing it on, uh, you know, for like 150%. Well, you're the perfect person to ask this. Give us a scouting report of Peter Cech, the hockey goalie. Well, I have a lot of videos, to be honest, <laughs> what, what he's doing. So I think I would be, uh, yeah, I could be a good scout, uh, you know, against him because I know uh, he has a GoPro camera behind the net every practice. and. He always uh, sends me that and uh, we talk about, you know, sometimes golf position and, and those uh, small things. And obviously you still have plenty of hockey career ahead of you, but do you ever think about going back to soccer, maybe trying it at the end of your career? <laughs> to, to be honest, I, I, I talked to him last week and I was like, uh, you know, being hurt is the worst thing that can happen for, uh, for a pro athlete, right? You, you can't compete on a high level. So I, was, I told him, I was like, I'm just watching every single game in Premier League. So once I'm done, I might be a good scouting uh, with scout for Chelsea because I see every single game now, you know, when you're not playing and you just uh, do a rehab and all you do is uh, you can rest home, you can relax and you can watch soccer. What do you like about this year's current team? Who's your favorite player? What do you feel about them? You know what? It's, it's been an exciting year so far, I would say. They're playing really well. You know, they're doing well in all competitions. And, uh, you know, the team's a lot different than it used to be. But, uh, you know, I'm a big Lukaku's fan. Uh, he's, uh, he's been uh, 
he's been great in a couple of years in, in Milan. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to Adab in Premier League again and, and score some big goals for them. But I think the whole team is impressive. Uh, when you see Tepa, uh, you know, taking those penalty shots and, and those penalties and making saves, they're winning them to, to game. So Thomas Tuchel turned the Chelsea around. What's your favorite Chelsea memory ever? Probably, uh, I would say, winning the Champions League 2012 when uh, they beat Bayern Munich. You know, the, that uh, that moment was both big for the, I would say, uh, for Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard, Peter Cech, those were the players that they were playing almost like last last game of, of their career for Chelsea. So, you know, that moment when Peter Cech uh, stopped the penalty in extra time was was uh, the moment. But I think they deserved it because they, you know, they, they had so many chances to win it and they came close. So that was, the I think, one of the best moments. And I understand you've been to Stamford Bridge a lot. Uh, yeah, we go uh, we go every summer with friends. You know, last two years we uh, we, did, we did have a chance to go because uh, the COVID situation. But uh, before that, every summer we would go for a weekend or to Wembley when uh, when Chelsea play some finals. Going to Stamford Bridge, yeah, it's uh, it's fun uh, to go watch them. I'm curious, just you know, being at Stamford Bridge as a fan or at Chelsea matches, what similarities do you notice about soccer fans and hockey fans, and what differences are there? It's a big difference. I would say even hockey in uh, in Europe. And in Canada and the U.S. are diff- is different. So uh, you know, I, I think the nine like this, those ninety minutes in in soccer. You know, you have fifty thousand, forty five thousand people in uh, in in on Stamford Bridge, and you know everybody's so loud. The game is is uh, is really really loud. So that's something that uh, you know they cheer, they they sing. That's really cool to see how. Uh, how they sing almost the whole 90 minutes. You played in the United States for years and soccer has grown significantly, especially the EPL. Um, and now in Canada, like around the league, how many guys do you find follow and how many guys follow Chelsea? A lot of guys, uh, to be honest, like all European people, uh, I think players, you know, are, uh, are soccer fans. I would say more, more majority of people are into soccer as well. You know, Kyle, our general manager, is a big Man City fan. It's nice to go to, to him and uh, rem- remind him, you know, who, who beat them in the Champions League. And and then uh, we have some PR guys that are Chelsea fans as well. So it's always a good battle every single week. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Our thanks to Peter for joining us. Man, he is awesome. I wish him all the speediest recovery to see him back on the ice because, guys, we are the champions of Europe as Chelsea. But let me tell you, the Toronto Maple Leafs have the longest Stanley Cup drought in the league. There is a lot of pressure on that guy to do it. So uh, we'll be rooting for him down the stretch. And now that you've all heard from us, we want to hear from you, the fans. What do you all have on your minds? And this tweet comes from at CFC Abaldi. Okay, that was cool. They ask Lee, who's the funniest player Uh-oh. during training sessions? Oh, man. I'm going to get in trouble one way or the other here, aren't I? Um, we've had some big characters, you know, not just in the current group, but also historically as well. The Brazilians were always very mischievous. David Luiz was always one to keep an eye out, as you may have seen. He, uh, he took me out a couple of times. He and Willian were a real double act. They used to come out. One of, We would film training, as we do most days. We would film the players walk out. One of them would come out and cause like a... They, 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 they cause a distraction, let's say. And then the other one would go around the back and prank one of the cameramen by uh, maybe hitting them where they shouldn't or uh, throwing something at the camera. Uh, and uh, honestly, real characters. In the current group... Tony Rudiger, he's, when he's on it, he's got a very mischievous sense of humor. Jorginho certainly goes into that category. Cesar Azpilicueta. 
I'm going to say Thomas Tuchel as well because really? he radiates so much personality. He um, and he's he's no shrinking violet, and he just you might have seen pre-season as well. He was the one dictating traffic during some training games, and there was a, a couple of a couple of little exercises in Dublin where he was saying, "Right, okay, going to have forfeits here. The team that loses is volleying game. You're going to be singing the Backstreet Boys at dinner tonight." Um, and so he's the one that's front and center. He will come out, and he, I was wearing like a rain mac a couple of Fridays ago, and he came out and he said, "Huh, who's this? Scotland Yard?" I was like, "Yeah," or uh, Inspector Gadget. I was like, oh, "So he's got such a good sense of humour." I'm going to go Thomas. I'm going to say Thomas Tuchel. But that also then radiates. We've said this before, you know, if because of the personality, that sort of it trickles down into the rest of the squad. It's it's so infectious that enthusiasm, that sense of humour. When it's time to work, my goodness, as you've seen sort of on the touchline, it work, work, you know, and he's he's very vocal. He wants the very best out of his players, but he's also really good at getting that that mix, getting that blend as well. And, you know, there are days where you, you'll have seen on social media at the end of a light, lighter training session, he's happy for the, the, the players to have a game of basketball. He gets involved in these things as well. So team bonding is so key in what he's looking to achieve here at Chelsea Football Club. That's funny you mentioned when they were playing basketball because all the players that were involved in that that video that was tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, all of them look horrible. So they were, they were the funniest. <laughs> Me. It's, just funny. it's funny how when you cross over sports, you know, it's like yes. when a football player tries to play hockey or when a basketball player tries to play football, you look so awkward and doing it. And they were all like backing each other down in the pole and then they go for a layup and it hit like the top of the daggone basketball hoop. And I'm like, yo, these guys look awful. And I just sat there. I watched it a couple of times. It was just, I, I had myself a little chuckle. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a laugh. It was a chuckle. You're in trouble now. Whichever one of them want to play one-on-one, trust me, uh, we can we can play one-on-one. As long as you can back it up, Brandon. Oh, I don't. I, if you see me play basketball, I'm horrible. You know what I like. <laughs> uh, make sure you tag us using at ChelseaFCNUSA with the hashtag CMU. Mailbag. We've got ourselves a very special promotion to tell you all about. Chelsea's partners, Trivago, is bringing the world of travel and football together to offer epic experiences for Blues fans. And every month, they've been giving you guys the opportunity to win some really dope, incredible prizes. Now, the end of the year countdown is on and the festive season is about to begin. And to celebrate this month, Trivago are offering a getaway of champions that brings together the best of football, Chelsea and London during the holiday season, not Brandon London, the city of London. You can win two nights stay and travel to London for two people. Match day in the Trivago Suite at Stamford Bridge, a behind-the-scenes tour of the stadium, meet and greet with the Chelsea legend, plus you'll get to enjoy London food and shopping during the festive season with some spending money to go with it. Now, there are five grand prizes up for grabs, and here's how you do it. Head on over to trivago.co.uk slash ChelseaFC to enter and you do not, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on this opportunity. In the words of Pat Nevin, French Montana, and Emily Kaplan, ladies and gentlemen, don't panic. Both of our squads are in good form, and we can only hope that that remains 
heading into the men's international break. And remember, you can find anything and everything on the on Chelsea through the Fifth Stand app. And please, when it comes to Chelsea Mic'd Up, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friend to tell a friend to tell their mama because we want blue flags flying high across America. Let's go Blues!